here is singer-songwriter, broadcaster, audio-video artist, entertainment agent, and your host for the Dharmic Evolution. It's the master storyteller himself, James Kevin O'Connor. And it is good to be back with you guys once again on the Dharmic Evolution. Welcome to the show today. We've got a jazz singer for you today. This is going to be really cool. But before we get into that, have you subscribed yet to the Dharmic Evolution? You're missing out. Where are you every Friday morning? If the show is not coming to your phone, it's because you haven't signed up. Go over to dharmicevolution.com, sign up on any of your favorite platforms, and we'd love to send you this show every single Friday morning. I'm sorry, every other. We're not back to uh, a show a week yet, but our backlog has grown, so we may be back there sooner than I originally anticipated. Um, Also, if you have not yet taken advantage of a couple of things, how about the Spotify Dharmic Rising Stars playlists? We've got two of them up, and we're working on a third one. And I'll just give you, uh, if you go to um, Spotify, Dharmic Rising Stars, the Orion playlist. It has, uh, as a number one this week, Grocery Store with Isabel Stillman. Number two is Better Days with Modell. Number three is L.A. Funk with Don Rique, a kick-ass fingerstyle guitar player, a big fan of his. Antidote by McKaylin Hay, who is a uh, stellar uh, performer, entertainer, and Breathe by my good buddy Chad Hollister. So that's what's happening with the Orion playlist. So let's take a look at what's going on with Dharmic Rising Stars on the Aquila playlist. Out of the Void coming in at number one with the Progressives, Dream Aria from Canada. Look at us now with Kylie Odetta. Uh, Back to the Future Love with Viku. Black Boots with Matt O'Ree and Bruce Springsteen teaming up on that one. And Aspen with my dear friend Sarah Christine. So those are the top five in each of those. There's 30 on there. Are you on there? How do we know? How do we not know? Please do check it out. Give it a spin. And uh, if you are on there, grab the link and put it on your social media so other people can uh, enjoy not only your music, but the other indie artists that are all Dharmic evolutionists or alumni. The other thing I want to mention is the Dharmic Evolution community, Facebook community page. Have you been on there and seen what's going on there? So check that out. Uh, You're welcome to post your content on there if you have a new song, new video. And if you would be so kind as to leave a review for this show in Apple Podcasts, uh, we'd really appreciate that. It really helps the show and love hearing from you guys. Today, we're taking this show out on the road and we're heading out to the great state of Indiana. And we're going to be meeting with this uh, woman who is just a phenomenal jazz singer. Uh, She's done it all. She's been to Las Vegas. She played there for over 14 years, captivating audiences with uh, inspired interpretations of jazz standards, show tunes, and popular songs across all kinds of genres. Uh, She became known not only for her pure voice and exceptional five-octave range, but for her ability to connect with audiences emotionally and draw them into the music. 
A reputation for professionalism found her sharing the spotlight with such talents as Frank Sinatra Jr. and Billy Preston, amongst many others. And when the USO came calling, she answered and joined the show, traveling the globe for three years as a featured entertainer, lifting the spirits of our men and women in uniform. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. Well, you better strap up your seatbelts because we're taking a ride today out to the great state of Indiana to visit with jazz singer Barbara Santora. Barbara, welcome to the Dharmic Evolution. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you, James, for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, I was going over your resume along with your music, which is awesome. I haven't had anybody doing jazz on on the show in a while, and I, I love it, and I'm so happy that you decided to join us today and share um, your legacy of entertainment with us. Really amazing. Yeah, yeah so is it, it's always been jazz for you, huh? Um, actually, I'll tell you the truth. I've done all styles of music, and I actually studied classical and opera for 14 years, and I just got really tired of the rigidity of, you know, I wanted to move more because I'm a real moving person when I'm performing. I like to just be all over the place. And so I made the transition. I was offered a Fulbright to study, continue studying opera at Indiana University. I was offered a Fulbright to continue studying anywhere I wanted to go in Europe. But I was offered a job singing in Vegas. Well, I didn't know I was going to end up in Norfolk, Nebraska, singing "Help Me Make It Through the Night." But anyway, <laughs> so I did. Uh, so I did a lot of different genres of music. I did a lot of country. I did a lot of top forty. I've done all of Mariah Carey stuff, Whitney Houston's. Um, when we did the USO tours, of course, we really, really had to do the top forty stuff, and you had to be really, really current, except for in Australia, and that was another story altogether. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> because Australia, they have their own music and here we were with all the current top 10 stuff and uh they were looking at us like deer in headlights like what in the world are they doing (laughs) so when you say they had all their own music i'm curious because i've had uh many australian artists on this show um uh but you know it may be a time difference or whatever but um what was it that they were playing that was so um you know so precious to to their heart you know what were they what kind of music were they doing and did they just didn't understand what you were doing or yeah they were doing top 40 but they were doing their recording artists they weren't doing a lot of the uh american uh artists at the time yeah and so they just weren't recognizing the songs that we were doing so because when we got off the stage on our first break from our first show we went and we looked at the jukebox and there wasn't one song on it that we recognized yeah well i think um and i don't know i'm not a historian on, on australian music but they seem to be very steeped in um, country, was sort of a yes. sort of a root base for them. And then, you know, of yes. course, you know, being that it's just that it's such a huge continent, um, I guess uh, it had its own historical evolution uh, of music. But you know, borrowing a little from here and there, like we all do. But uh, uh, it's very interesting uh, the, the way you put that. So tell me about the USO and thank you for your service for um, uh, for people who don't I, know. Are they still in business? Is the USO still? They are. Okay. They are. And I will tell you something that I am very, very proud of. When you are involved in um, 
doing military and the USO, they really hand select who they take. I mean, it, you have to be like, your reputation has to be sparkling clean. And so when we were chosen, which was a lifelong dream of mine, when Bob Hope used to come on TV when I was a little tiny girl, I would pull at my mother and I'd say, I'm going to do that someday. I'm going to sing for the troops. So when I was offered the opportunity to go over there, every club and every place that you play, when you first go over, the first tour that you take, you go under DOD, which is the Department of Defense. And then you rise to the USO, depending on how your ratings were. Well, each place that you play, they rate you. And we were actually nominated on all of our trips for the National Recognition Award for our work with the military. And it involves so much more than just doing your performance, which is great to me. I mean, these people, like, for instance, on a base in Turkey, they maybe don't get off base for 14 months. And so when you go over there and we would go even to some of the smaller places, like we played Kargabur in Turkey, which is way up north. I mean, you literally go up these rock mountains on rock roads and don't know if you're going to have a mudslide. It's going to, you know, take the bus slamming over a cliff. But um, you are so appreciated. And to me, it was my honor. I mean, I just, I, this was a lifelong dream. And so I couldn't give enough. I mean, in my estimation, I was the one that was so rewarded for going over there. Uh, it was, it was just so rewarding because these, they, the way they treat you, I mean, and you know, they get on their hands and knees. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. I mean, they just absolutely just are so happy to have you there. Um, so the USO always will be, it would be very, very hard to top the measure of appreciation that you get when you, when, that we got, but we actually, there is a sign in the Department of Defense that carries the USO tour that gives me, even to this day, a carte blanche invitation to come back and do more shows anytime I want. So I feel very, very honored. And I've had, like, other band members go over there and do other shows, and they will always ask about me. So it's so nice to be remembered after all these years. Wow. What is the—I forgot what the acronym stands for. United States— uh, Oh, what, I, what What does it mean, USO? Oh, uh, USO, United States Overseas. Oh, Overseas. Okay, cool. So mm-hmm. so for all of you folks who are looking for a gig and you don't have one, there is an avenue, because I've spoken to so many of you who don't have uh, anything going on right now, uh, call, Google the USO, and, and hey, maybe, maybe you can keep your chops up doing that. Um, yeah. I want to just uh, start off by uh, playing this song, and uh, I really love this song. Here is Mickey's. When the band starts playing, fingers get to snapping, and the beat is saying, get your toes on. Nothing could be said 
yeah, Mickey's. Oh, yeah. Feel like I am in New Orleans when I hear this song. <laughs> and great arrangements. Grab those shoes. You know, some killer moves. That's right. Yeah, awesome song. Um, what motivated you to uh, put this one together? Really great song. I love all the arrangements, too, and everything. Really cool. Thank you. The guy that I work with, and we work as a duo a lot, um, but he is a phenomenal writer. And I mean, he's a journalist by trade, but he writes tremendous music. And he has really opened another world up to me for songwriting because all my life I wrote poetry, but I really never delved into writing much music. Well, he kind of really inspired me to start writing. And so he and I collectively wrote this one and we wrote Midnight Escape and we have another one that's coming out uh, very shortly that I even wrote uh, some of the music in. But the inspiration behind this one is that I wanted something that was very upbeat, happy, that reminded you of those days in New Orleans. New Orleans. <laughs> I wanted that kind of feeling. And from the very first time I heard the melody straight through, I said, John, which is my partner's name, I said, John, I said, we have to put a tap dance solo in it. And he yeah, says, well, I, what do you mean? That was cool. I said, I said, we have to do a tap dance solo. I said, I just hear it, even if I have to do it, because I can dance. And I said, we got to have a tap dance solo. So we were really, really fortunate to be able to find just the perfect. And I love the tap dance guys that are in there. I just think it's so funny, these hard hats, you know, and it's like they just are on their lunch break and thinking about going to Mickey's tonight. And boy, they're going to get into it and they're grooving the moving, And I just love it. That's so that's so amazing. I mean, you struck a chord because I didn't see anything about this song um, and I didn't see it in your bio or anything. But as soon as I heard it, I said, New Orleans. I mean, that's that's why mm -hmm. I made a note here. I mean, it's like, wow, it feels it just, you know, I feel like I'm in the room. I'm in that bar, or that cabaret or whatever it is, you know, and the, the band is just rocking and, you know, really getting everybody just, you know, yes. so engaged with, with uh, you know, the freedom of, like you said, it's after work, the whistle blew, got my yes. hard hat off, you know, <laughs> yes. I'm having yes. some fun. So um, you must have had a ball putting this together, this um, musical composition. Where did you record this? Because it's great. The production's awesome. Thank you. We have, John actually has a recording studio uh, in his uh, basement, in his home, which is awesome. So we are able to really turn out these songs at a pretty amazing pace. Um, so we recorded it there. And then Jared Fink from Blazar Productions, he does our mixing. And Gene Foley is who connected me to him. And he is just incredible. He is incredible at doing the mixing and mastering. And so we send it to him and then he does his magic and then we get it back and we just we just love him. And so the whole thing just comes together beautifully. Yeah, Eugene Foley is the man. He has so he many resources. Awesome. Anybody out there looking for uh, representation um, as far as PR and you know helping uh, uh, with your marketing, uh, Eugene Foley, Foley Entertainment, Google him and uh, you'll be happy you did. Um, so you guys have been at this for a while and you've got it down as far as you know how to put your songs together and you kind of know what you want. Um, yes. Tell me what is the most, you know, uh, 
What's the most fun thing for you? Is it the laying down? Is it the tracking? Is it the mixing when it all comes together? Is it the uh, writing at the outset? Like one of these has to be more challenging than the other. What's um, the, the, the high watermark for you when the song is finally coming together? Like when, what is the best you know, process for you? The best process for me is to, because I, I, I really hear the way I want it to sound like, uh, for instance, in the song, That's Just the Way It Goes, I immediately heard cellos playing. I mean, I just knew there had to be cellos. And like in Mickey's, I heard tap dancing. Um, and I think probably the high point is just hearing it all come together and being on the same page with John with Jared, who does the mixing and mastering, so that we we are really, and Gene, we just really work as a team. And that teamwork is so incredible to me. In fact, if I have to think back over the years of my career, probably the most overlooked thing that I ever did or didn't do was realize the importance of the behind the scenes putting things together. I really did not realize, I, you know, I love to perform and that always was my priority. That always was what I wanted to do was just get out there on that stage and just give it all I had. And now that we're doing these, writing these original tunes, it's such inspiration for me to have such a team that is working with me that is making it all happen. So I would say that is definitely the high point. Yeah, I never worry once it's done, and because it won't get released unless I think it, I think I told you earlier in an email that it's like I'm the ultimate perfectionist, and unless I think it's exactly the way it should be, I just it won't it won't go out there. Yeah, sometimes uh, the surprises are the greatest part of recording. Mm-hmm. Like when you mm-hmm. when you have this. Um, like I always have a general preconceived notion of what the the song's going to be, but I never know exactly. When, and it's mm-hmm. always a pleasant surprise because it's always much better. And you know, somebody will just come up with this inspiration and start playing a, a riff or a lick or make a suggestion about, hey, let's go back to the four here instead of the two on the on the um, on the back end of the song on the outro or something. just anything, any little thing that gives it a twist and then all of a sudden it, it the personality is fully developed you know it just comes in a absolutely. form absolutely you weren't wait you weren't ready for you know it's, it's so cool absolutely yeah so um, and i really i really hope james that i never reach a point in my life in my career that i don't think i can learn something from someone because i believe that if you reach that point where you feel that you cannot learn anymore then you're really done yeah because there's a lot out there and i will listen purposely to all different kinds of music you know years ago when i was in vegas they had the the musicians unions had these wonderful sessions where you could go in musicians singers and they were big jam sessions they were like ella fitzgerald did and uh billy holiday and sarah vaughn um they would go in and you would just everybody would jam and it was amazing how you could learn a new run a new riff I mean, everybody could learn something because everybody was so good and everybody was contributing. And that's what I really love about music and about learning new stuff is that you you don't get you shouldn't ever get big enough that you don't think you can learn something. Yeah, there's so much freedom in music. And, uh, 
you know, yes. sharing that is, is like you said, no matter what your instrument or, you know, the way you play it is totally unique unto you. And then that, yes. that's so special that you can pick up things from the bass player, the drummer, Absolutely. you know, any, anybody at all. And it's, uh, it just makes everything so much better. All the music becomes, you know, it ex it accelerates the process and makes it more fun as it goes goes on. You know, because when people get into it and they get inspired, um, you can feel it in the room. Like you can feel when you've latched on to something, and very little talking has to happen. You know, it's almost That's like we, right. we don't even need to say too much because we just know where to go with this stuff. You know. That's right. Yeah. That's why it's the universal language. It really is. So what do you say we do Midnight Escape here? Oh. All right, all right. Here it is. <laughs> My torch song. <laughs> I wander to the neon fringe of night
Midnight Escape. Ooh, mysterious. Uh-huh. I've had, yeah, <laughs> really, I've had all I can take. Help me make my midnight escape. <laughs> yes. Yes. So good. So good. So what? Thank you. So what was this one all about? Really, really cool. Oh my, my life. Okay. This is my torch song. I, because I kind of figured honestly, that. You know, being in the business as long as you have, and I don't know if you're a musician as well, but yes, if you are, you really know that the road in the music business is a tough one. It's not like just being 17 years old or 15 years old and getting on one of the programs that they have now and you're a star sensation overnight. It's a long, hard road. And you get told many, many things. You get made many, many promises. But you always have to really be select in knowing that sometimes there's a price to pay that you're not going to be willing to pay. And so Midnight Escape was written really on that premise. It gave me a chance to say, I'm done with dull parades. I'm done with charades. It's time to make my Midnight Escape. Say true to yourself. Tell me, please tell me that it's not too late. I need to make my Midnight Escape. And I really think that that's, that's the whole inspiration behind the whole thing is that push the other stuff aside, stay true to yourself and move forward. And somewhere, someone along the way is finally going to realize who you are and what you do. And truthfully, James, that's where Dr. Gene came in to because he recognized it. And he wanted me to be heard. That's fantastic. Yeah, he's a good man. He's got an eye for talent for sure. You have had some uh, history of all the different things you've done, um, you know, sharing the stage with, you know, people like Sinatra. And and uh, you were almost, you know, going to work with Liberace, um, be on the stage mm-hmm. with him. And then he passed away tragically. That was really yes. something. Um, can you give us a couple of stories um, as you came into, especially with Vegas, you must have met so many people and shared the stage with so many people. Um, any any special stories you'd like to share um, um, about that journey? Yeah, you know, there were, I, I will tell you, when I first went out to Vegas, Vegas was just a, a fabulous town for jazz. Um There was a place called the Tender Trap, which turned into something totally different than jazz. A different trap, indeed. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) a different trap. And uh, Doc Severinsen's orchestra used to play there. So I used to sing with them on occasion. Um, Billy Preston was at a, it was a... um, an award program for uh, Burt Reynolds for after the completion of a movie. I can't remember what they're called, but um, they, it was nice to sing with him. Frank Sinatra Jr. I alternated with um, at the Four Queens Hotel uh, in Vegas. And he was very nice. And Larry Holmes, who had a bodyguard, uh, knew my husband and he used to come in and hear me sing all the time and he he was so big I mean he was just absolutely huge and the stage was like six foot in the air and he would come into the 
place and he would pick me up and he'd just pick me up like a stick and bring me to his <laughs> and kiss me on the forehead and he said hi hi baby and sit me right back down on the stage and I'd never miss a beat singing but just you know I met a lot of people um I did become very good friends with Robert Goulet and I became very good friends with his PR man at the time Norm Johnson and had some opportunities but about the time that Barbara Eden was supposed to do South Pacific with Robert Goulet, but she could not do it in Vegas because of a contract that she had uh, not lived up to. And so she was going to do the road show. Well, Norm Johnson, Robert Goulet's PR guy, he wanted me to audition for the part and was pretty sure that I would get it. But about that same time, the Liberace thing came into uh view and i was singing at tivoli gardens which is his place that you play and the person that goes out with him next on tour performs used to perform at tivoli gardens his club uh before he would take you out and i really finally felt like my break was there because there were no strings attached to that that was based on talent it just you know there were no games to be played uh and when he, he, in fact, he was meeting me the night at Tivoli Gardens to go negotiate the rest of the contract when he was taken to the hospital. And of course, he never came out. Yeah. So stories like that, um, stories, different people that I met um, along the way. Um, I probably made some mistakes because Tony Bennett, I was as close as I am to this table <laughs> to and I never told him that I sang because I just wasn't one to just go up and say you know I sing and ever all, all my friends were prompting me and saying you know oh, go up and sing Muhammad Ali I knew very well uh, in fact uh, I was the only person in a crowd of probably 4,000 people that he allowed a picture and I have a one and only picture with him really did I he did he write a poem for you no, he didn't write a poem for me, I wish. But for him to even take the picture with me was amazing because everybody was asking and nobody, he wouldn't do it with anybody. And then I have a picture also of him standing out in Red Rock Canyon when he was in his prime. And I mean, he's just like, oh my gosh, she's just amazing. And those are one of uh, one of kind pictures. They're pretty great. I yeah. have pictures with Lloyd Bridges. I have pictures with Cary Grant, who was supposed to come to our wedding, but he got called to Hollywood and had to do a movie. Um, I have all kinds of just great pictures with different stars. But once again, James, I go back to the fact that I don't believe that it was my talent that stopped me from, or lack of talent, that stopped me from making it a long time ago. If, we, if what we call making it is what we call like being known all over the world, but I really believe it was because I believed that you had to keep your principles. If I cannot look in the mirror and like who I am, then I'm not going to be happy. Yeah. Well, the the term making it um, has to, you know, there has to be a lot of deep thought put into that, uh, that phrase because, you know, um, be careful what you wish for <laughs> because... Mm -hmm. 
Uh, a lot of people think it, it is the, the most charmed life, and uh, I don't believe that's entirely true. No. Um, there's no. a lot of uh, ransom that comes, you know, demanded of you um, for that, you know, carrying that mantle around. Yes. So um, I'm always um, so grateful that I have music in my life, and that is... Uh, you know, God's gift to many of us, uh, if we're blessed Amen. with that, you know, songwriting or singing or, or playing an instrument, whatever it is that you do, um, it's such a blessing. And, um, and uh, you know, I, I try to talk to, especially like young kids, this one young girl was so upset. She said, my parents are putting so much pressure on me because, and I had her on this show and she said, you know, they, they just don't see that I'm making it yet. She was like 18. I said, wait a minute, what are you doing? You know, and you have to try to like, you know, gently tell them that, you know, this is a whole lifelong thing. I mean, is it because you are, you're a platinum selling, you know, artist, is that making it? And then what about after that? You know, then the bar goes up even higher. So you have, you know, it's like, it's like, so just, you know, if music's in your life, I think you're you're lucky to have it and, and always protect it and embrace it, you know. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So so what is um what do you think your best chapter was as far as um and maybe you're living it now, but but creative satisfaction, <laughs> uh like, you know, how you're feeling or how you were feeling or where you were in a p- certain place in time that you felt like like this is my Dark Side of the Moon album, you know, by Pink Floyd, you know, <laughs> like I'm in that that realm where I just like, how do I top this? Um, do you have any Probably thoughts? Probably, I would say the USO tours, but I'm going to tell you really and truly right now. Yeah, that's with what great. Is happening. I kind of suspected yeah. that just listening to yeah. your music. Yeah, that's a great place to be. You know? Yeah, it really is. And, you know, it's a long journey. It does not happen overnight. I mean, it, you know, some of these cases, you know, with some of these shows, they didn't have shows like that when I was a kid. I think I was Little Miss Sunbeam, but other than that, um, you know, it's, it's a journey. It's a journey. And I think you have to take every part of that journey. And it's like you said, you have to nurture it. You have to take from it the good and the bad. Uh, you have to, years ago, you really had to pay your dues. You just weren't, it just didn't happen unless you just, you know, were willing to do whatever to, you know, get there. Yeah. And if you play the straight row, and I always did and always have, always will, turn down many, I had contracts thrown up in my face, torn up, uh, had many offers years ago, but, you know, you have to do this to do this, and I just wouldn't do it. So I would say now being appreciated and really coming into my own style of what I really love doing because I love jazz and my, and my, and my heart is just full of, of the jazz vibes and the feeling is, was my biggest reason for getting out of opera. And I really like you know, I think you you reach points in your life where you don't like the way you sound. But when I was doing the USO tours, I started coming into my own of liking the way I sounded. But now that I'm doing these, uh, the songs that we're doing now and the original tunes, I'm really liking it. Because what I'm discovering is that I don't have to compare myself to anybody else. I don't think I sound like anybody else now. I think I sound like me. Yeah. 
And so that's a high point. That That's really reaching a high point. I like that feeling. Um, I like when somebody says, well, her original songs sound, when you hear them, it's like you've heard the song. It's a standard. It's like, you know, I love that because that means that I'm, that I've captivated and I've captured something that has become my own, but yet can people can associate with in that genre of music. Yeah. And it's, it's nice to see that you, uh, you know, you appreciate and respect, um, your, uh, intuitive gifts, you know, like for instance, you said you did opera and you did classical and from, from listening to you, it sounds like those absolutely, um, you know, contributed to your creative world. Like, you know, there's all these, you got a deep well of things you can draw on, you know, and, and Absolutely. you probably won't hear, you know, classical in its, in its purest form or opera, but they're in there because you're using for your voice, for instance, you have a five octave range, my goodness. Yes. So, uh, yes. so you're able to pull all of these you know, things. You're like Felix the Cat with his bag of tricks, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I get, that's why I want, that's why I wear my leopard pants. Yeah, today. I, I like it. <laughs> Felix the Cat. Yeah. Like Who, yeah. We haven't thought about him in years, right? <laughs> no. So yeah, how about... He's probably going to be taken off air like everything else. <laughs> If they're taking Dr. Seuss away, what are they going to do with Felix? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, here we go. We're going to play That's the Way It Goes. That's just the way it goes. An inside bet Trump is already set It's fait accompli I suppose That's just the way it goes We never had a chance Light milk too quickly Did you ask? 
the way it goes and uh i guess that is that's life right barbara yeah that's for sure that's for sure so uh take us into the studio on that one like who's playing what and you know what were you guys thinking we were laying this one down john wrote this one singly and when he played it for me i i told him i said i have to record the song i have to record the song i said it is it's got just it's got an edge to it but yet it, uh, I think somebody, I think uh, I had a review that said that I, it's like I'm walking on uh, broken glass coming in. And I love that because that's the feeling that I wanted the song to have. He wrote this and when I heard it, I just flipped. I said, you know, this song is incredible. The lyrics are incredible, the music, and then I heard the cellos. Oh, my God. That's all I could hear were these cellos. I had to have, I said, John, we have to put cellos at the intro of this song. So and let me I ask you, let this. me let me stop you for yeah. a minute. When he when he presented this song to you, Barbara, was it just he played it for you on piano? And yes. So, so, you, so you didn't have anything, no backing tracks whatsoever. No. Oh, no. okay. So cool. Because that's a good song. I mean... I always believe that if you can write something on a guitar or piano and present it and play it and it's it's really really good then that's that's the mark of a good song, you know. Absolutely. So Absolutely. so the whole orchestra which is so well presented in this song, um, all of all the arrangements that started, you know, you started thinking about that right after you heard it. Yes, I did. Yeah. Yes, I did. And the first thing I heard was that cello. I just, you know, because I wanted it, I wanted it to have, I didn't want it to be a real rangy song. I wanted to stick uh, really adhere to the melody a lot through the song and not go into utilizing the range that I have. I just wanted to keep it basically in that, in that really melodic, almost, um, I don't want to call it, um, I mean, because it has some deviation from melody, but right. it, uh, but kind of almost in a monotone-like feel, where it just it, where you listen to the lyrics so much because 
they have more of an impact that way by doing it than whether than if you're jumping all over the place with it. Yeah. So so they he had set it up or you guys had set it up with uh, the arrangement that allowed you to do that allowed the yes. lyrics to, to shine through, which is which is so important. You know, it's such it's oh, a yes. sensitive thing to get that right. You know. Yep. Yep, and, it is. Yeah. It is. It's hard. Yeah. It's it, very hard. It is. That's why, you know, songwriting is not a is not an easy, you know, people think Mm-mm. it's like there's nothing to it. <laughs> and, no, and, it's, and it's I actually, hard. I actually been writing for a long time and I used to write songs. I was so proud of the fact when I was like in my early 20s that you know, I wrote all these songs and yeah, 10 minutes, five minutes, and, but they weren't very good <laughs> songs either, you know? <laughs> So, so my latest is um, the last couple of years, I, I've been not writing. I, I never finish a whole song in one sitting. I, it's almost like uh, I call it sort of uh, catching the genie in the bottle. It's that one like moment of inspiration. <laughs> then, and then I just get it down, whether it's a riff or whatever it is or lyrics and, and mm-hmm. all combined. And then just mm-hmm. and then you just keep revisiting. And, you know, if you're if you're true to it, you know, God will keep on. You know, it, it's the it, what was the Greeks said? Uh, just get going, and the gods will join in. Well, I say just get going, and God will join in. But it's kind of like that, you know. It's Absolutely. like you got to do the work. Don't expect <laughs> it, things to just come into your, you know, blow into your yard as these little gifts. You got to you got to do the right. work, you know. So this is this is great stuff. Hey, let me ask you, how are you guys doing? You're in Indiana. How have you handled the pandemic? How are you guys doing right now? Are you starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel? How's things going for you guys? Um, I, I think we're seeing some light at the end of the tunnel. In one respect, the pandemic, even though it's been an absolutely horrific thing to go through, and I've missed live performance so much, we do have a live performance March 28th, and that'll be our first one since uh, we did one in July. Congratulations. Um, but, That's good news. But we are going to do a, another. It, it's going to be, uh, uh, I think, a 60% capacity gig, which is okay. But truthfully, James, this pandemic has given me a chance to understand the other part of the business that I never dealt with before. Yeah. Uh, I really, I never, I never even imagined the other end of it. I never, I mean, I did some original songs, you know, and recorded them and sent them out to P, you know, uh, the AR men at different studios years ago. And, but I really never I never dreamed of just how much behind the scenes work there is to get somebody even halfway known. Yeah. And so the pandemic actually has given me that opportunity to really jump into another side of the business, which is has been really a good thing for me. Yeah. It's pretty eye-opening, I guess, you know, when you yeah. when you don't look at it and then all of a sudden, oh, this is what's under the hood here all this time. Yeah. Now, <laughs> hey, as far as missing performance, oh, my gosh. I mean, I miss that tremendously. Yeah, everybody's struggling with that. The, uh, yeah. the governor of Texas just put out, I think it was last night, that uh, March 10th, everything's open, 100% business, 100%. no masks. I'm like... Yeah, baby. So I think there's going to yeah. be a lot of other <laughs> other governors following in line because uh, this this lockdown thing has been a big disaster. I mean, I've read oh, I've read a lot wow. of reports on this stuff and uh, and from very well respected um, journalists who are who know a lot more than I do about this. But all of them have said all the studies, 
in the in the whole world have come back that lockdowns just don't work. They just you know right. it's been a disaster. So right. Uh, so so it looks like maybe we're on our way between the right vaccine and um, you know whatever. It looks like we're we're heading in the right direction finally. I certainly hope so, and God bless all the people that have been affected by it because it's been horrific uh, in so many ways, and the lives that have been lost, the people that have been so ill, the people that will have lifelong uh, ailments because of it. Uh, it's re- it's really sad. Yeah, really, it really is. Sad. And and you know, I I talk to a lot of. Uh, people like yourself all over the world who are, um, you know, in the music business in some capacity. And the depression thing is really, really rampant right now, not just for musical people, but um, people who are just have been locked up and just yep. like don't know how to deal with this. You know, like some yep. of these kids go out every single night. You know, it's like, Oh, yeah. It's like oh, yeah. I remember my days when I was younger, you know, being that way. But um how you can just all of a sudden flip your behavior and say, no, can't go anywhere, yeah. can't really do anything. Yeah. So a lot of people struggling with uh, depression right now. And um, uh, I'm very, very happy that uh, we seem to be uh, turning the corner on this. So, uh, you know, better, I am too. better days. I am too. Yeah. So give me your favorite places to play. Like where um have you have you played in new orleans because i just i just I hear you playing yeah. down there I I, yeah i could see I you on the stage in mobile alabama have you Mardi Gras. Yeah. okay awesome awesome <laughs> yeah so any favorite um, spots that you you feel like you know that's like your home your best place that you can share with us for jazz and for uh, you in particular real. I really like Italy. <laughs> oh man, you don't mess around, huh? <laughs> and I like Greece. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, you just uh, go like all to the best places. <laughs> uh, and really and truly, Australia was was phenomenal. Here in the United States, um, I really love playing um, probably the the Northeast. Uh, I think that they. I think there's probably more of a um, more of a, uh, of a demand or an appreciation of the kind of music that I do. Yeah. Uh, I, in fact, it's so funny around here because people say, well, don't you sing country? And I'll say, <laughs> uh, only if I have to. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I tell them I like country and you know, and I don't, I don't judge. See, it's a funny thing. A song. I don't consider Patsy Cline's song crazy. A country song. No, no, I don't either. I, I, I do that song, and it's a jazz song. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, and there's a lot of music that's like that. You don't have to just determine. I mean, just like on my my album, uh, there's you know, all I ask of you from Phantom of the Opera. Well, that's far from being a jazz tune, but yet it can fit into that easy listening, which I like to think of the kind of jazz that I do is more of the easy listening and big band swing and, you know, things like that. Uh, when it gets into the real progressive stuff, I, 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 I kind of lose that because I, I have a tendency to like a melody. Yeah. And if I, if I can't hear a melody, then, you know, I, that's just not the song I want to sing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I'll tell you, there's crossover potential for something like Patsy Cline. So many country artists have cut that because it's just such a great song. Absolutely. And I think, I think when it's such a great song, some people who are steeped in country don't even you know they don't don't even know that it's jazz and it doesn't matter who cares what no. it is because it's no. like you know we tend to pigeonhole things because we have to we have to know who we are and and who everybody else is but right. you know a great song just has a life of its own i think you know absolutely hey you ever played absolutely. the blue note did you ever play the blue note in new york city i never the, have or the iridium have. oh yeah like you would be we great played there the, uh we played the white plains hotel i can't remember the name of the place um it was the White Plains Hotel, but we, I never played the Blue Note. Yeah, maybe that'd be maybe that'd be in my not too distant future. <laughs> yeah, I, I go up to Jersey uh, very often, so if you're ever playing there, I'm, I'll be there for sure. I, awesome. I, you know, yeah, the Iridium. Awesome. There's a, there's some good jazz clubs in New York City, which is nice. You know. Oh yeah. And they yeah. treat and they they treat it like the traditional jazz thing with the small yeah. tables. And I, I just love yeah. that setup, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, one of my favorite things in Vegas when I was out there uh, years ago, um, I could go into a club like the Four Queens, the Golden Nugget, and I could go into a lounge that seated maybe 100 people. And on the stage would be Mel Torme, uh, an upright bass player, a drummer, and maybe a horn player, a sax, or a trumpet, or whatever, and that—that's it. Yeah. And I—and I saw him that way. I saw Ella Fitzgerald that way. I saw Sarah Vaughn that way, and I could watch them from a distance of like three feet. Yeah. And oh my gosh, those were just so intimate and so fabulous. Those kind of performances, uh, because it really, you know, James, it doesn't really make any difference if you've got. A hundred people, or you've got ten thousand people. Yeah, you are there to do what God gave you the gift to do, and do it. Go for it. Go for it. I don't care how big your crowd is, how little your crowd is. Give them all you've got because that's what God gave you. Amen. Amen. So, listen, as we're wrapping up, this has been fabulous, Barbara. Um, really appreciated you taking the time out today. So, I want to give you uh, the last chat to just say anything you'd like to say to any one of the uh, many listeners we have in 71 countries that will be listening to this thing. We're even in Aww. Nepal and Iceland and uh, some remote places wow. like that, which wow. is which always cracks me up. It's only, you know, a, a couple of listeners here and there, but like Iceland and Nepal, how did we get over That's there? But cool. <laughs> but anything you would like to say, any kind of blessing, any kind of wish, any kind of sign-off you would like to do here before we wrap up? Well, I first would like to say to you, James, may God bless you for what you do and for having me on the show, for giving me this opportunity. I am very, very humbled, and I am very grateful oh, to you. all of the striving musicians out there, the ones who may have lost hope because they're not in their 20s anymore they might not even be in their 30s anymore they might not even be in their 40s anymore for all of those out there that have given up put your career in god's hands and in his timing and let him decide when it's right for you to do it because you're going to go through obstacles all along your way. 
but he, if you love it and it's what you're driven to do, put it in his hands and watch his miracles happen. And I'm going to tell you very honestly, that's exactly in the point of my life that I'm in, that I did that. And this has all come as a result of that. Amen. So that, that would be my words. Excellent. Very, very nice. Barbara, it was a pleasure, an honor. I loved uh, getting to know you and your music, and I appreciated so much you coming on the Dharmic Evolution. I just want to wish all of God's blessings on you, your family, and your music moving forward. Thank you so very much, James, and God bless you. That's another wrap for me today. I'm your host for the Dharmic Evolution, James Kevin O'Connor. So until the next time when we meet again, I'll either see you on the socials or I'll see you from the stage.